Hey there, I'm Grace. And I'm Amelia. And welcome to the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast, where we talk about getting started in real estate, scaling, and we give you the inside scoop about our day-to-days as full-time investors. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Wire podcast. Today, we are so excited because we have our friends and Grace's mentors, Jen and Joe Delafave on, and we are going to talk all about creative financing. This episode is going to be jam-packed full of awesome information, so we're so excited to have you two. Thank you so much for being here. Jen and Joe, would you like to introduce yourselves and give us a little backstory about who you are? Yeah, thanks so much. We're super excited. Thank you guys for having us on. My name is Joe Delafave. And I'm his wife, Jen. And we've been, I've been buying houses and real estate investor for a little over 20 years. Met Jen 15 years ago, started dating, got married, started having kids. You know, we had the regular jobs. I was a finance manager at a car dealership and Jen was a teacher. Once we got married, we decided to raise a family. Still doing real estate on the side, had a vision of doing it full time together. And we got that done in uh, March, 2020. Yeah, it happened a little quicker, but super excited that it did. Yeah. So now the fact that we've been doing this for just about three years full time, it's been fantastic. We've been able to travel, get to move actually out of New York where it's super cold and move to sunny Florida. So we've got a lot of really great things we've been able to accomplish. A lot of things we've learned definitely along the way. And now we've both walked away from our jobs and this is what we do. Yeah. And one thing that I love about you and Jen is when people say full-time real estate, a lot of times they think maybe full-time flipper or something along those lines, but you guys actually do something pretty niche, pretty special. So can you talk a little bit about more, like what is your forte? Yeah. So we love creative finance. In 2016, we were buying houses prior to that, and we were doing what was called Burr before we knew what Burr was. I didn't know it had a name like that. We were just finding these deals for cash and then we would fix them up and then we would refinance them because I was a finance manager. I knew people at the banks. So we would refinance out of them, pull some extra cash out of the deal. So I was like, wow, I invented something that nobody's ever thought of before. Because after 2008, we started finding a a lot of deals when the market was really taking a slump. So we bought a a bunch. But then after I talked with some of my friends, they said, you know, we have programs in-house that we could help you continue with your journey of owning all these properties. But, you know, most of the time they're going to cut you off at 10 properties. Mm -hmm. And so I started talking to Jen about, you know, thinking in my head, especially what do we do if we want to get to dozens, if not hundreds of properties, how is this going to work? What's that going to look like? And then in 2016, I was watching my first mentor. His name's Ron Legrand. He still teaches real estate. He's probably in his mid seventies. We were just at one of his events last month and he started talking and really diving into what he calls the pretty house business, which is the art of creative finance. It's how to buy real estate without using your credit, without using banks and really using very little to no cash which all three of those things were like, check, check, and check. I want to learn more about that. Uh, So in 2016, I went full blown down in the rabbit hole and went hard learning all of the things that we could. Beginning of 2017, Jen and I spent quite a bit of money hiring a coach. His name was Tony Pearl, one of Ron Legrand's students who has been with them for a very long time and who is an expert in the matter. And we knew that if we were going to take it to where we needed to, we need to get professional advice. So we spent money doing that and we learned a lot. And those were, he helped bridge some of the gaps of some of the questions that you couldn't learn on YouTube or if you buy the, the stuff, right? So he was really, really helpful. So shortly after that, we did our first creative finance deal. We had a seller who had a situation, wanted to sell his house and we were able to buy that with a hundred dollars down. We had a super low payment and a 0% mortgage. So when I did the deal with him, I had to like argue with him to take the hundred dollar deposit in McDonald's. (laughs) 
That's amazing. That's so cool to hear. I actually don't know as much of your story as Grace knows. So I'm just like listening to this story like it's bedtime, like I'm so enthralled. So that was just a creative finance deal that was not rent to own yet at that point, correct? Correct. So in 2016, when we learned about the pretty house business, we we didn't just learn how to buy them, but we also learned a great strategy once we had these properties, what to do, because we were having rentals and with Jen being a stay-at-home mom, being the property manager, she didn't love handling chasing rent, handling the maintenance calls, all of the things that come along with renting. So one of the things we also learned was how to not only buy with creative finance, but sell. And the way that we love is with rent to own. And we could save that for a whole other thing because there's a lot of great upside to that. Um, you know, large non-refundable option deposits you collect up front. So you make good cash flow like a landlord without the landlord responsibilities. And then sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But if one of the tenant buyers buys out the property, you end up getting a really nice back-end check too. So we found that to be a really great aha for us. And you could also buy that way too with a lease purchase, which is one of the strategies under that umbrella of creative finance. But on that deal in particular, we bought that deal. We bought the house from him. We owned it. So we got to write off the depreciation. We got to pay down our mortgage very, very quickly because it was a 0% mortgage at $500 a month. And once we had the property, we put in a tenant buyer who gave us a pretty big non-refundable option deposit, paid rent for years. And then finally, just last year, bought it out. We got a big back-end check there too. So it ended up working out really well in that situation. That's when we kind of had the, the green light to where we could buy all the real estate we want without having a W two anymore without mm-hmm. having to get credit checked. I didn't have to have my credit checked. I didn't have to have apply for a mortgage or anything. So once we realized that, the next step was how do we buy a property? Because that was a free and clear property, right? But how do we do this with a property that already has a mortgage on it? And that's where we dove into it, another step of creative finance. And that's when we realized that we could buy properties other ways with creative finance, even if they have a mortgage on it. And some of the benefits of that is, especially right now, the interest rates are so high at the banks. A lot of the deals that we're currently buying and still writing are in the two or 3% range. Wow. I want those deals. (laughs) Yeah. They're really nice because the difference of say 3% opposed to 6.8%, which I think is probably pretty common right now, there goes your cash flow. Depending on what price range you're looking at, that's the difference of you cash flowing or not. So, you know, when I'm explaining to a seller that I'm going to use this as a rental or rent to own property, and, you know, if I buy that property at today's rates, it doesn't pencil well. But if I'm able to buy it and keep your existing mortgage in place, I'm able to take advantage of that low interest rate. Now, the success is in the details, which we definitely, you know, make sure we're good at that part. But, you know, if you do it right, the seller walks away feeling great. They got a great price for their house. We walk away feeling great because you a lot of these we buy with no money down. We just cover closing costs and we're into a cash flowing asset. That is literally the power of creative financing and why it's so amazing because you can do so many different things with it. And at the end of this episode, we're going to try to dive into like four main strategies. So if you're listening and you're like, this is confusing, it's okay. We're actually going to do four episodes about creative financing because we could sit here and talk to you two, Jen and Joe, for hours because there's so much. So if you could break it back down to somebody who maybe has never heard of creative financing, what is it in the most simple sense and what are the main terms of a creative finance deal? Okay. So creative finance in the simplest terms is the ability to buy real estate 
without having to use a bank, without having to get your credit pulled, without having to go through the traditional lending process. If anybody's ever been through that, it's pretty long and drawn out. They need proof of income. They might need W-2s. They might need, you know, you to run a mile under 60 minutes or, you know, whatever it is, right? They give you all these things. Well, the things that I love about this is, you know, if, you, if you're able to come up agreement with the seller on what the terms are, and they say yes, and you say yes, the only thing now is just going to closing right? So it's the ability to buy real estate without having to go through the traditional process. You buy it, you're the owner. And sometimes if it's a free and clear property, you're going to discuss what kind of payments in the schedule of that with the seller and do that directly to the seller. So seller John and Nancy are no longer the owner. Now John and Nancy are the bank, right? And you're the owner. And instead of paying Bank of America, mm -hmm. you're going to pay Bank of John and Nancy every month. So that's the one strategy I love because why? When you're negotiating directly with the seller, I can't walk into Wells Fargo or Bank of America today and say, you know what? I know you're posting 6.8%, but I usually don't pay interest. So I need to get it at 3% <laughs> in order to make this deal work. They're going to probably just, you know, hand you a business card and say, please leave, right? It doesn't work that way. So this is the reason why we love going direct to seller is because you can negotiate some really good terms. And sometimes if the seller feels they've got their price, we can negotiate really great terms on our side. So then we've got excellent terms. And what does that mm -hmm. mean? That usually means little to no interest, super low payments, and a really long term length. You know, somebody who doesn't want to get bought out in a year, but some of these are 10, 20, 30 years before we have to get them cashed out. So what does it cost to buy one of these deals? Most of the time, it's just a few thousand dollars of just closing costs. Yep. I right? love you hit the nail on the head when you said, if you try to negotiate with a bank, they're more than likely going to laugh. But the best part about creative financing and what you always taught me is don't guess at a term with a seller. Ask them because all four terms are negotiable. The down payment, the monthly payment, the term length, and the purchase price. So that is what is so amazing is you can negotiate all four of those however you want. And that is what makes it so powerful and what makes creative financing so great to scale with. Well, and you just hit it right on the head. Those are the four big points. We call it four legs to a chair, right? Because if you're sitting in a chair, it's going to need four legs. So what are the four legs to a chair? The four legs to the negotiating of one of these deals. It is the purchase price. It's the down payment. It's the monthly payment and your term length, right? So if you could come in agreement on those four things, you've got yourself a deal which is the best part about it. And the neat thing about creative finance, and this is something I'm going to say very slowly because this might be a lot for some of the listeners who haven't experienced this before, but you control the pen. So do I say mm -hmm. no payment for six months or no payment till 90 days? Do I say that I'm going to give you $2,000 down now and the other $8,000 down in five years from now? There's so many different ways that you can negotiate your, your deal. So it's not black and white like a cash deal. It's like a spectrum of colors, right? It's a whole rainbow of colors of all the different ways you can structure a deal. So where does this work well? It works well in every situation, but in particular... We find a lot of situations where, you know, if we're going to give a cash offer in a property, you know, the drill, Grace, it's usually because it needs a lot of work and we're getting a really big discount. That's what you pay on a cash deal. But what about that turnkey, beautiful house in a beautiful neighborhood where that lowball cash offer doesn't work? Well, those are our bread and butter for this business. So a lot of these leads that these other investors get, they're looking for the half off, right? The 50 cents in the dollar. And they can't even fathom talking to a seller who's really in a situation, but they need top dollar for their property. They can't figure out how to make that work. And then when we do, they write to us and say, how did you do that constantly, right? Like, how did I give these people $290,000 for their $300,000 home? 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, very easy. No money down. They gave me a 20-year term, right? And my payment's this, and I could rent it for that much more. This is amazing. It's a complex subject, I think, which is why it's super important to have someone that can kind of guide you through your first few deals. I want to go back to the mentor that you guys had originally. One, how did you find them? And two, was it even called creative financing back then? Because I know my aunt and uncle used to do creative financing or they do it and they're like you with the Burr method. They're like, we didn't know that that was the name for it. We just like knew how to do it. And I feel like a lot of OG investors, that's just how they see investing in general they're just like we didn't need all these fancy names we just like did it well and you you hit it right in the head so the original the og that i learned it from his name's ron the grand he started investing in like the early 80s so this was the year 2000 i'm 22 years old at a buddy's house and we're hanging out and he started tearing all the stuff out of his closet and pulled out this course and he was like you know old football pads his baseball bat from school. And he takes out this whole like real estate course and he hands it to me. And I'm like, what is this? And he's like, yeah, my mom and I bought it on an infomercial one late night. They're like, he's getting drunk with his mom. And it was like the middle of the night, they see this thing come across the TV, how to buy houses with no money and no bank. So we bought it. <laughs> he never even opened it. He had it in there for almost like it's a so year. funny. So now I'm like, well, can I borrow it? And after arguing with him about it, because he's like, no, it was like 300 bucks. And I'm like, well, you never opened it. What's the difference? Let me borrow it. So these were, I'll, I'm going to date myself. These were VCR tapes. These oh my were, gosh. These were audio cassette tapes. And then there was a book. I did all of that. Okay. So watched it, listened to it, read it all. Within a month later, I learned how to wholesale. And I had my very first deal under contract one month later. And uh, I ended up making 15 grand in that deal. Oh and my gosh. At that young age, getting it. That kind of check was life-changing to me. The money was great, but the fact that I knew I could do it and I did a deal already. So that's what kind of gave me the buck. So back when Ron the Grand, fast forward to your second question is how did I find out what this business was? Ron kind of labeled it the pretty house business because everybody puts their own spin to it. There's this challenge, there's this new name for it, but it all really boils down to, and this has been going on for decades and decades and decades. So if you want to put a new fancy name on it, that's what it is. But really, if you think about it, creative finance, it's how to finance real estate in a creative fashion other than the traditional method. And there's a lot of different terms that fall under that umbrella. You know, is it a wrap mortgage? Is it a lease purchase or subject to contract for deed? There's a lot of different small technical things that we'll definitely dive into, but there's a whole umbrella of how to be creative when buying real estate. So Ron labeled it his pretty house business and uh, still teaches on the matter. And once again, he doesn't need to, but he does it because he loves giving back. And that's one thing that we love. The same thing is once I learned this for me, this was life-changing. And this put me in a trajectory with my family and everything else that without it, we would have never had. So and I think the you know, mm-hmm. to understand the pretty house business is because it's the opposite of buying like an old rundown house that you have to renovate or fix up and you know if you do one two a few of those like you realize how much work that is and how much money is involved and you know again the banks and all of that so the pretty house at first i was confused by i'm like what does that even mean why why wouldn't you want to make an, an old house beautiful right like that's the trendy thing to do from tv shows but then once i learned these methods i realized how much easier it was to start acquiring properties once you learned the technicalities behind it and i took jen into some yeah and i'm <laughs> and she was getting sick of it. <laughs> I was gonna say, Jen, were you just like Joe is crazy when he first brought this idea to you? 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. And especially, you know, just, I'm like, wait, what? It's just, it's so away from the norm, what the society tells you, like that the way you buy houses. So it, it took me some time to really wrap my head around it and actually start doing it. I and mean, Joe really was my mentor to be able to break it down because sometimes those words would go right over my head. I was an English teacher. So, you know, anything to do with the rap mortgage or this and that, I was like, what on earth? So he broke it. And then last week you're on a podcast telling other people how to wholesale. And so I bet it's cool to think like one day Joe came home with this crazy idea. And then now fast forward, I'm teaching it. You guys are mentoring people. You guys have your own course on how to do it. So what is it like to know that all that long ago, you pulled out that random book from your friend's closet. And then now you're teaching hundreds of people about creative financing. You have a team. You have an office in Florida. You guys touched on how you moved from Rochester all the way down to Florida because you're able to work from wherever. So what is that like now to be the student all the way to now teaching it to people like me? Because I was one of your first students. You were an amazing student, first of all. So yes, but you know, it's been a blessing. It really has been awesome. You know, you think of that fork in the road, And, you know, if you went left instead of right, what could have been your life or not, right? So I'm so grateful that, first of all, I had to practically wrestle it from my friend's hand to get that course. But I think of like, if I didn't get that, I would have never wholesaled that first deal. I would have never known who Ron the Grand was. I would have never found more education and spent a lot more money learning to do all the things that we did. So, you know, it's sometimes it's just hearing that, you know, we're nothing special. I was just somebody who learned and there was no YouTube in the year 2000 for some of y'all who maybe not know that. So you had to learn from, I watched the VCR tape repeatedly, right? And listened to the audio cassettes repeatedly. And that was the education that I had. And I made that work. But I realized, boy, if I had somebody kind of hold my hand through the process and been there to answer some of the questions, I would have got it done a lot quicker without as many tears, without banging my head against the wall repeatedly, right? But, you know, if you had that, it would have saved me quite a bit of time. But it was that experience. That I think it's been really awesome. So to share that, to really invest the time and in, in money that we have to be lifelong students. So. That's what I was going to say. I think the key really is that we've never stopped learning. Like we're always mm-hmm. investing in our education, especially with real estate, because things are constantly changing. Like well, you said, you too. just went to a conference last week or la- the, a couple of weeks ago where you were learning more from your mentor. I want to talk about Grace's mentorship with you guys a little bit because I got to watch that like from an outsider's perspective because Grace and I met before she had really even started investing. She asked me to come on the wire meetup that she had put together and I thought that was a great idea. And I think maybe you were just getting into your first deal, Grace. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the year, you'd done, you'd had 19 doors. And during that time, you mentored with Jen and Joe. So what did you learn from them or what gave you the confidence to buy that many properties in one year? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so fun to look back on this. I remember doing like a little call with Jen and Joe to meet them to see if it was like a right fit. And I was like, I don't know why I'm on this call. And then all of a sudden I'm knees deep into this mentorship. I've bought like 10 houses on creative financing and I absolutely loved it because I think a huge piece of it, Joe, like you said, you guys were able to walk me through step by step. It wasn't reading from a book. You, I was able to call you, talk to you. And I also, we talked about the pretty houses. I think my very first creative deal was a pretty house that a girl had just bought it nine months ago. She now wanted to move in with her boyfriend, but she knew after realtor costs, 
she would be upside down on it. She wouldn't walk away with anything. So I bought it for no money down. I paid her $150 on top of her actual payment to the bank. And she gave me five years to do that. Now, looking back, I should have negotiated 10 or 15 years, but I think I was just so excited to do a deal. By the time I got to asking how long, I was just like, all right, let's do it. (laughs) But it was so amazing. And without creative financing, there's absolutely no way I would have done what I did in that first year. And so that's why I always recommend you guys. And you now have a course which tells everything about what you're up to, how you tell, tell us what else is in that course, I would say first. Well, before I do that, Grace, I have to say you are an A plus student. <laughs> I was very, <laughs> and I just don't know if it's how it's the Grace thing. We've always said that you are the very first student of the day, and you're always that like sunshine. So I'm like, oh, I want to talk to Grace. You know, I, but the thing is, you always came with questions. Mm-hmm. You always came with things that you were working on, and mm-hmm. I don't know what it is from where you live, but also people just like, hey. Like you, we've dealt through some pretty crazy scenarios, you and I, and, and a lot of different situations. And the thing yes, is, we did. but the neat thing about it is it's figuring a way to help these people out and having that personal touch, what's been huge. And the thing is, which Jen and I have figured out with creating the creative finance playbook, this has been decades in the making of the education. We've spent well over six figures on coaching, mastermind, all, uh, all the different things. So we're condensing all of this traditional things that worked with also a modern spin of technology and things like that. And this is where we're putting this into the playbook. So what do I mean by playbook? Well, if you've ever seen sports, a playbook is not like a small little book, right? They're usually these big, huge binders, zillion different pages, right? Of what it is. So what we've done was we really broke it down and obviously text, but also a lot of video modules that are bite-sized pieces that they're going to break down from A to Z of what it is exactly we're doing. Um, And we let you learn uh, as timeframe that you're going to be able to absorb it all, not feel like you're getting hit with a fire hose. And if there's a spot where you feel like that, good thing is you could rewind that. And that's what I had. And I could just keep getting to the same spot. The good thing for me and, and how we work so well as a team is I could talk about this all day long. Jen used to be a teacher. She was very good at making lesson plans, right? And keeping everything according to bite-sized pieces. So together of her knowledge of all the real estate deals and all the things that we've done and some of the things that I I work on on my end too, and keeping that together, we've made it easy to learn. Are you learning a lot from this episode, but want to learn more? Check out the creative finance playbook at womeninvestinrealestate.com slash CFP, or check the show notes for the link. Creative financing is so powerful, but it can be confusing. So it's important to learn from someone who has done it before. The Creative Finance Playbook has mapped out everything from branding and marketing for your creative deals to breaking down each strategy to scripts and even deal analysis. They include all the contracts that you need to get creative deals signed. Go check it out using our link in the discount code WIRE with two eyes to get $250 off. Well, I wanted to say the playbook is so accurate. I have a creative deal right now that I'm under contract on, and I just found out that a there's going to be a huge sewer replacement bill. And so in my head immediately, I'm already going through all the different ways I could tweak those terms to still do this deal. That that sewer inspection, that $12,000 fix, as long as the, yeah, it was not a good one. As long as the numbers are there, that's the beauty of creative financing because I can switch it. My first strategy was I'm going to fix and flip it. I'm only going to take over her term for a few months, fix it up and sell it. 
Now I'm like, okay, could I get a longer term? Just do that sewer fix. The rest of the house is very much rent ready. And then now just hold it as a long-term rental. There's so many things. It really is a playbook. There are so, so many different things that you can do. And Amelia and I have done a deal together where we initially thought we were going to do one thing and we ended up doing another because we did a wrap mortgage creative deal together. Mm -hmm. So I love it. Well, and that's why we called it the playbook because, you know, if you there's so many different plays that you could run, right? And there's so many different things. So the reason why we call it the playbook is you kind of read what the defense is giving you and call the appropriate play to that, right? So, you know, maybe in this situation, the seller wants a higher price, right? And I could get that price because I have a long-term and no money down and it cash flows well. Or what happens if something like that pops up and it's unexpected? Well, if you go back to the drawing table, sometimes I've used, hey, listen, I know you're dead set on your price. And now I have this $12,000 bill to that I have to take a look at. So sometimes they might be, well, I've got no more wiggle room. Well, then fine. If I still pay your price and I take care of all of that, we need to get a longer term so I could get that balance back, right? And to you, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, it's still a delayed cash sale for full price. It's just going to take me a little bit more time to you know, manage that $12,000 unexpected. And sometimes if they're still happy with their price that they got, you just got a longer term because that longer term, every month you're able to make money and you'll recuperate all your funds and then some and even turn into more of a profitable deal because sometimes the longest terms are the ones with the most profit in them. So that's amazing. Creative mm -hmm. financing is so cool because you're able to help such a broad audience of people, in my opinion. And I think that makes it really unique. One thing I remember talking to Grace about when she did your mentorship was her return on investment. And we talked about this a lot because Grace and I talk about financials with each other. We're very open about that. And we always talked about how she only had to do one deal to basically pay for her mentorship. And I think a lot of people don't realize that you have to put money in to learn sometimes, but think about what you're going to get in return and think about it like that. She only had to close one deal to make her money back and she's closed, I don't know, 10 creative deals at this point. Mm -hmm. She's probably got a good return on her investment. <laughs> yeah, that's her highest <laughs> ROI deal she's ever done is mentoring with you guys. Yes, it's Good point. Well, it's all about taking the elevator rather than the stairs. And like you said, Joe, I could text you and ask you or look at your examples of something instead of learning from my mistakes, having to do it a second time, spending a bunch of time Googling it. It just, it was so quick and all the information was right there, which is what made it so powerful. But now we've talked so much about creative financing. Let's try to define the four main creative deals and maybe we can give an example for each. So you if you're listening, you've heard us throw around wrap mortgage, lease sandwich, whatever, rent to own. But the very, very first one, which a lot of people use in place of creative financing is seller financing. And it's actually not the same thing. So seller financing, Joe, do you want to give a brief description and then maybe an example of the deal that you guys have done? Yeah, absolutely. So seller financing is where you are going to be working with the seller. You buy their house and you're going to make that seller on a free and clear property. Okay. So seller financing means they don't owe anything on the house. And that seller is going to go from selling you the house now to the bank. So my very first deal, the one I was kind of bringing up earlier, his name was Steve, actually. And when I was talking to Steve on the phone, I'm explaining to him, he owes his property free and clear. He inherited it from his grandfather's. He was renting it for some years and he just didn't want to be a landlord anywhere. He lived about an hour away. And every time this happened, that happened, he had to drive in and he hated it. But he had a sentimental feeling to the house and he knew he wanted to get a good dollar for it. 
So when I explained to him is, Steve, instead of me paying cash for your house, it doesn't make sense to give you a low offer. The house is pretty close to turnkey. And, you know, I'm going to a bank and paying top price really doesn't make sense either. But if I could buy it from you and then instead of going to the bank, I'm going to be paying Bank of Steve every month and I'll pay your price and I'll cover all the closing costs and fees. So seller financing me is now, he is the bank. We paid him directly. We kept it done electronically so we could see exactly what we paid him every month. So I knew what our balance was just by pulling that up. Super easy to do. So seller financing is not anything new. It's been going on for centuries. The farmer down the road wants to sell, you know, a couple acres off to the farmer next door. And what do they do? They barter, you know, take take payments and probably even mm-hmm. at one point, they'd even take cash. They probably bartered in cows and <laughs> maybe they got eggs every month from the chickens, right? Who knows? But that's how it was. So bartering that way of free and clear properties is one of the easiest ways. And that doesn't just work with single family homes. That works with multifamily. That could work businesses. with businesses. That could work with raw land. So sometimes you might find a parcel of land and negotiate seller financing on that. That where now maybe you could resell that to somebody else and you created value because of the terms you've created, right? If I have to buy a parcel of land for a hundred thousand cash, or I could buy it in monthly payments. You know, maybe somebody gives you a finder's fee for that deal if you don't want to keep the land yourself. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of great reasons why seller financing works really well. So seller financing, free and clear property, you're negotiating the four legs of the chair, right? The down payment, which you want to be close to zero as possible. We typically buy with no money down. You want to have a low payment. So if you're going to use the property as a rental, you want to make sure that you're going to cash flow because you'll ha- also have to pay the taxes and insurance on top of that payment you negotiate with the seller. So make sure when you add all those things in there, you're still having room to cash flow. And that's the best part about it is you can change the payment. It doesn't have to go by 30 years exactly. There's some times where I'm like, hey, I'll pay you 500 bucks a month for you know this amount of years. And they, they just say, that's fine. So it doesn't have to be any certain rhyme or reason. I could pay $200 a month. I could pay interest only if they want interest. Sometimes mm-hmm. the seller asks me, what about interest? I, I let them know I typically don't pay interest especially if I'm paying that price and all your closing costs. And you'd be surprised because a lot of times they say, okay. I like how you touched that you can buy multifamily with seller financing and that it's been around forever because I've purchased two triplexes through seller financing. It's kind of a similar situation to Steve with you. They were both old landlords and were just, both of the properties were actually vacant. They weren't even doing anything with them anymore, but they were in disrepair and they just didn't have the get up and go to actually get them done. And so because they were investors, they were also familiar with seller financing and what that would mean for them. So it was kind of an easy sell for me to get them to agree to it. They're both at 0% interest and it's been amazing. I love it so much. Like it's, they've been my two best deals, but they're out there. I found them both driving for dollars and reached out to them one through Facebook and one through mail and they were totally down to sell. So I think if you just ask, like a lot of people are scared of even asking or even like mentioning seller financing or whatnot, but the worst they can say is no, that's at least in my opinion. So well, great job for you because those both sound like fantastic deals, but they're out there. They're out there everywhere. There's no place around the country that they, they these deals don't exist. You know, the, yeah. the helpful thing is what we teach though, is we do teach what to ask. Because a lot of times people say, okay, well, if I find the property, I just don't know how to ask them. So what we've really worked on very hard is that we've asked a series of questions and we have the seller present us what they offer. Most of the time, most negotiators, especially rookies at it, think, well, I have to put in an offer and I got to tell them the numbers. 
Well, if you just get really good at asking the right questions, the sellers will present you the offer. And sometimes, surprisingly, it'll be way better than you could imagine, especially if you were to insert your own foot in your mouth. So that's why I recommend don't doing that and just ask the right questions <laughs> and get the answers, right? So, you know, you found them driving for dollars. It wasn't like you had some big marketing scheme or billboards set up in your town saying, you know, Amelia buys houses. You just cruising one day, saw a property, saw an opportunity, picked up yeah. the phone or, or sent a message. You took the steps, you took action steps. Yeah, right? exactly. And it became like, for you. I like, the. I would say the number one thing I learned from you, Joe, is don't, like you said, don't guess, ask. And that is the number one mistake that I see. People are like, hey, how, can you help me put together a seller finance offer? I don't put together seller finance offers. <laughs> I ask them. I ask the seller how they will finance it to me. I don't put together a random offer and shoot it off via email. That is, if there's a wrong way to do it, it's that. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Okay. So I, the next. I said you're A plus, Grace. You're A plus. Obviously, <laughs> are very, very. Sensitive. Well, and it's easier that way. It's easier. Let them tell you. Right. But the next one, like Jen was talking about earlier, is the pretty, this is more of the pretty houses. This is wrap mortgage. And this typically is when you have a really nice house and you and Jen and Joe, you guys love to buy these. And maybe they just bought it a couple years ago and they want to sell this really nice house. So can you explain what is a wrap mortgage and what is the ideal situation for it? Because this one does maybe get a little bit trickier than seller financing. Correct. So I'll go over a scenario that we have right now, because those are some of our you know, most recent deals are some of the easiest ones to talk about, right? So we have a situation where a seller has a house in uh, just an hour north of Denver, Colorado. It's a town called Windsor, beautiful area. The view of the mountains right from the house, you can see it, it looks really, really cool. The house was just built eight months ago and they find out they're pregnant and they want to move to Florida, be closer to family. So they want to sell. They owe 505 on the house. And they said, listen, if you give me five grand down, you can take over the monthly payments. So the way we structure that deal is that we're going to buy it for what they owe on it, which is around the 505 number. And that what we're going to do is give them $5,000 at closing, and then they're free to leave. Once you close on the property, what's called a wrap mortgage or a subject to, they both kind of fall in the same realm. There's some benefits to why we prefer the wrap mortgage. And what you're doing is basically just wrapping a new mortgage, which is just really a promissory note. It's a piece of paper that says that you're going to be making these payments. Okay. But you're going to wrap your new mortgage around their existing one. So for an example, if I give them $5,000 down at closing and their balance is 505, 500,000, my new mortgage is going to say that I owe $505,000. It's a promissory note, right? Mm -hmm. And it's going to be at the same payment at the same rates and pay down is their previous loan which is still going to be there with Bank of America. So their interest rate, I think was five and a quarter. So there's many ways to now, once you, I have that deal, what am I going to do with it, right? So sometimes we buy those deals and we keep them in house and we turn it into one of our rentals, rent to own, rent out is what we do. But then we run across situations like this where the seller wants to sell. And I know this could be a great thing for an investor or for somebody who wants to live in this house. Because sometimes we find people who would love this opportunity to move into this beautiful house, pay $5,000 down and some closing costs, and they wouldn't mind giving Jen and myself a finder's fee for that deal. No, mm -hmm. having to go through the bank process, the house is not even a year old, it's turnkey, it needs nothing. And when you go on Google Maps, it just shows a, the big lot. It doesn't even show the house built there yet. That's how new this place is. So in this situation, because their monthly payment is a little bit higher than what the average rent gets for around that area, 
this is not a property that we're going to keep as a rental. This is a property that we're going to find somebody who wants to live in that area, who will love the opportunity to pay us a finder's fee and to be able to move into that house and take over that deal. And we could assign it to them by just collecting a finder's fee, right? So this is why I love the fact of creative financing, because sometimes these deals work and we're going to keep them. And then we're going to find cash flow in that deal. And those are the ones we're going to keep. But on the ones where maybe it's a little tight for cash flow, but it's a beautiful house in a beautiful neighborhood, maybe that appeals to a homeowner and that homeowner wants to live there. So we share these deals on our Facebook group, on our website and all the different places. And I've got a bunch of people who've been reaching out to me, wanting to get more information about the deal. Because in these areas right now, if you're going to build, some of these houses get to be a lot more than 500,000. And the wait and, time on them too. And, and the wait time. So where does this work well? Maybe they're self-employed, right? And they need to show more income. Or maybe they went through a divorce and their credit's banged up, but it's going to be on the way back, right? And they want to live in this house and be able to take over these, these mortgages and be able to pay these payments and own a house. So I will tell you for now on, however, Jen and I find our own future homes, this will be the way we buy them, right? We're going to come across deals where it's a fantastic deal. Uh, Denver is too cold for us. We like Florida, so we'll not do that for ourselves. And we have a similar situation here in Florida too, in Port St. Lucie. Another gentleman wants to sell his house. He found something bigger. This house is turnkey, absolutely gorgeous. It's in a 55 and older community. So we are too young to live there. So if anybody knows a mom or dad looking for a, a place, it's the same thing. $5,000 down, you have your payment includes everything, even the HOA. And you're into a beautiful house in a beautiful neighborhood in Port St. Lucie. You just have to have one person in the household be 55. You're almost there. I'm, I'm not almost oh there. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I need to get my talk my parents into that because Florida also doesn't have income tax, does it? No state tax. It is fantastic. State, yes. Gosh. Okay. So you mentioned that it's there's rat mortgage and there's sub two, but there's a small difference. Can you just explain what that difference is? Yeah. So sub two is where you're going to buy the property and the seller just deeds the property over to you and you're going to make the payments. So there's some challenges that come along with that is what happens if the seller a year or two says, you know, I want to buy another house. I talk to my mortgage broker and they say, I can't because I have this debt in my name, right? All they did was just deed you the house. Or in another scenario, if the buyer stops paying the mortgage, you've just deeded these people the house. So that becomes a challenge with doing subject two. The reason why we love a wrap mortgage is because it's a promissory note, but the promissory note is now a direct note from us to the seller. So our incoming payment will help wash away some of their debt, up to 75% of their debt. So if their payment was $1,000 a month, and now we're making that payment, they're going to be able to wipe away $750 off of their debt to income or their DTI when they're applying for the next mortgage. If you buy it on a subject two, you don't have that ability. Number two, if the buyer stops paying with the promissory note, you could foreclose on them and take the property back. On a subject two, you just deeded the property over. There's no note in place. So without the note in place saying that you can foreclose or without the note in place showing that you're the one making the payment, it just causes some obstacles, right? So where does subject two come in? Somebody's you know older and they, they're never going to buy a house again. They're willing to sell it to you for what they owe. And they're just really to get ready to the property. And this is, they're never going to buy a house again. Then maybe that could be a good case for buying it subject to. But I would mm -hmm. say, why not just buy it on a wraparound mortgage? It costs us a little bit more because we have to now pay for a new note to be recorded and put down, right? 
So it does cost us a little bit more closing costs, but why not just buy the same way and put a wraparound mortgage in place that now creates a new note between us and the seller. So just in case she has a change of heart and decides she's going to buy one more house, right? I don't want to ever have a phone call saying, I can't buy my new house because you bought my house and they don't know the difference, honestly. Mm -hmm. If I were to buy a house on a wrap or subject to, the seller doesn't know the difference. But we do it knowing that I don't want to cause a problem for myself down the road. And I want to do right by the seller besides. So I do the right thing. So we do get these calls. And I want to buy a house, but my mortgage person saying I can't because I have this debt in my credit. I'm like, great, forward them. These two things are closing docs and the new note. And this should suffice. That's awesome. So it really protects the seller to do the wrap mortgage versus the subject too. And it makes yeah. you sleep better at night knowing that you did the right thing. <laughs> well, and also too, when they do call you, you're going to sleep a lot better knowing that they're not going to be like, you need to sell my house or refinance it because I need to buy my next house and I can't yet, right? So mm -hmm. I don't want that happening because why torture yourself? Just pay a couple bucks more at closing, have the new note put in place by the attorney. You don't even do this yourself. The attorney does. You're going to outline what it says. And this is why you're going to find an attorney who knows how to do this. And when Grace had her very first deal, I still remember sitting down with Grace on a three-way call and her attorney, mm -hmm. walking them, him through the process of exactly what it is, how it was done, why it was done this way. We had a meeting in the minds. It didn't take terribly long. And then after that, I think he was kind of like, cool, got it, makes sense, let's go. Yep, yeah. Correct me wrong, but he's, I, from what I've known, he was uh, very sharp. But this was something yeah. that wasn't typically in his wheelhouse, but quickly was. Yeah. And that's the thing is if you, there are some, there are a few things that you have to know to do, but once you know those things, it's not rocket science. So lastly, I want to get to the last example we want to give, which is the lease sandwich, and then maybe a quick example. And then we also have three other creative financing episodes with you guys after this. If you're listening and you're like, this is so good. I want to know more. There is more. So make sure that you know there's going to be three more episodes where we're going to dive into negotiating creative finance deals, rent to own, all that good stuff. So last one, Jen and Joe, what is a lease sandwich and maybe what is an example? So what we call a sandwich lease purchase, which are one of my favorites, is where you are talking with somebody who wants to sell their house. And I've had this happen before too, where you know, we talked about buying it with a wrap mortgage where, you know, the, the loan stays in your name and, you know, maybe they don't love that idea. Or maybe you're talking to a landlord who wants to retire, right? And they're used to collecting a rent. So there's been some times where I'll talk to somebody and say, well, you know, why won't you buy, sell it to me? And I don't say it this way, but, you know, with seller financing, and if they say, you know, I don't know if I want to do that. I said, well, if I don't buy it, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to release it again. And my go-to line is then, well, why don't you lease it to me? with the option for me to also buy it. So therefore you're already one step down the road from where you are right now, where I'm gonna be able to lease it with the option to buy it. And then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna install, what we do is we do what's called a sandwich lease. So now I'm gonna re-lease that property to somebody else at a higher rent than what I'm collecting. They're gonna give me a large non-refundable option deposit, which could be 10, 20, $30,000. We're gonna make monthly cash flow, And then once our buyer goes to buy out that property, cause we're also gonna be able to sell it for more money than what we have in our contract for. So we've had a seller, this is one of our properties in Pennsylvania, where we wrote it up as a lease purchase, no money down, no payments for 90 days. In the meantime, in those 90 days, we're looking for a tenant buyer. 
And I think it even took us longer than 90 days to even find the tenant buyer because we're picky and not anybody who could fog a mirror gets in there. You have to have some substantial money down and want to own the house down the road, right? So what happened was in that situation, we found somebody who wanted to own a home. She had $10,000 down. We're making, I believe it's about 400 and some change cash flow every month. And then when she buys it down the road, then eventually we'll get another back end check. But I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to pressure her into doing it. I'm not going to force her into doing it. Because if you think about it, I didn't have to come up with any, any money to buy the property. I'm controlling real estate with just a piece of paper. This was a no money down deal, no payments for 90 days. And then when I got my tenant buyer in there and she gave us $10,000, we're up 10 grand. And then I'm going to make $400 and some change every single month on a property that I don't own, that I don't even need an insurance policy on. Why? Because the previous owner still owns it and the insurance is under their name. And you don't have to do any maintenance on it because the tenant buyer that you put in is responsible for all of that, which Bravo. is something we forgot to mention. But I'm like, that's such a huge benefit of rent to own because you're not responsible for the late night landlord phone calls. Right. So if they, you know, have a leaky faucet, they call the plumber. If their mm-hmm. refrigerator stops running, they call Home Depot and get a new one. We don't get that call. I think the best part about lease sandwich or any other creative financing is you can make your money back, like you said, within 30 days or even before you close because you can get the no money down deal, turn around and resell it, whether it's wholesale, whether it's rent to own, whether it's lease sandwich and instantly already have your complete return back, which is crazy. You can't do that with a cash deal. There's really no other way, especially because you're also not using your own credit. So it's not it's the how fast you can turn your money around and the velocity of your money is key when you're real estate investing, especially mm-hmm. if, you, if you want to buy one deal, that's fine. But if you want to buy two or three, sometimes it could be a little bit more of an obstacle. But if I could buy and control real estate with sometimes zero money, like the sandwich lease purchase, or sometimes when I'm going to buy the property with seller financing and you know I need three, four or $5,000 of closing costs and I own the property now. That's not terrible. And so this is why we love our exit strategy of collecting a non-refundable option deposit. Because if I have $5,000 in closing costs, my insurance policy, you know, maybe I had to paint the place and pay a couple payments before I found my buyer. Well, if I have $8,000 out and I collect a $15,000 non-refundable option deposit, what do I have in the, involved in the deal? I've got no credit and I'm up already $7,000 with no money tied into the deal. So the next rent and everything else is just the return is infinite. And Mm -hmm. you could find a way to do that while not having to come up with a lot of cash and the cash you do come out with, you get that back quickly. That's the key. So what we've created is a creative finance deal analyzing calculator. And so what we have with our team is a calculator. It's going to ask you a series of questions. And once you hit calculate, it tells you all the important stuff. And what we're going to add to it by popular demand is a rent-to-own deal accelerator. So when it's figuring out your cash-on-cash return and all of this, well, say I were to collect a $15,000 you know, non-refundable option deposit on that deal, what would that do to my cash-on-cash return? And that could flip a deal from 10% to 80% within just one little addition. So once you see how this calculator will work, it's going to be on our website, creativefinanceplaybook.com. It'll probably be a small charge for it. It'll be definitely worth it because it's amazing. And what happens is with my acquisition team, when they're analyzing a deal, their biggest question is, okay, is this a good deal or is it not a good deal? Well, I want mm-hmm. you to know within a couple of minutes by answering a series of these questions and just hit calculate, let the calculator tell you all the good stuff you're going to need to know. And you're going to know quickly 
if this is a good deal or not. And if it's not, where can I adjust this to make it better? Right. And it's very easy. Um, and it's pretty awesome. That's huge. I have not heard of a creative finance calculator out there yet. So that's amazing. You need to trademark that and copyright that ASAP because <laughs> that's really cool. It is pretty awesome. Um, it should be. We're testing it this week as far as all the stuff goes. And um, it's dropping very, very soon. So That's super exciting. I will definitely be using that. I've been meaning to make one of those calculators forever because that's another thing that is not out there. You can't find that, but it's super powerful. And obviously, if you've been listening to this episode, you've realized creative financing is huge. There's so many things you can do with it. It's super powerful. So make sure you listen to our next episode where we're going to talk about how do you actually negotiate and find these deals. And Jen and Joe are going to run through what they do, what they've been doing in their business and what they teach. So it's going to be amazing. I'm super excited. Thank you so much. We are too. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. We will catch you in the next episode. If you want to make sure you catch all the episodes with Jen and Joe, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you loved today's episode, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to check us out and join our community at womeninvestinrealestate.com and follow us on Instagram at wirewithtwoeyes.community.